This is a Mr. Thrive Media production. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, my friends. It's so good to be here. Hello, Thrivers. Hope you're having a great and spectacular day. First off, we got a really great show coming up with Nicholas Benjamin. He's a dear friend of mine that I've known since childhood, and he's actually the guy who got me inspired into film, which is why you guys got to check out this episode, including a guest co-host with Josh Miller, who is another dear friend. I traveled to Europe with both of these guys. We have some new stories to tell in our new Euro Squad special coming soon soon so stay tuned for that it's a special that is unrelated to the rest of the podcast just guys talking about their stories traveling across europe the shenanigans we went through so excited for you guys to hear that on top of that we just hosted an incredibly awesome networking party for artists and entertainment professionals the next one is coming out september 30th at 8 p.m if you guys want to be involved in our fall themed networking party just go ahead and check out our instagram or our facebook and you'll find the registration link to be a part of it you can choose your breakout rooms and whatnot it's a fun time and i can't wait to see you there we have a special offer from a local la-based company happy life creatives who stands for optimism ingenuity and connection all of their products are completely handmade and i gotta say i love how it brings positive energy into my home from magnets to canvases to happy life t-shirts and literature this lifestyle brand is sure to benefit your life Let's support small business together, especially during these vulnerable times. Simply jump onto Etsy, type in Happy Life Creatives, and enter Mr. Thrive 10 when you're checking out. That is MR Thrive 10 for a 10% discount on all items in the store. You're gonna love it. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. You have stumbled upon Mr. Thrive Stars of Tomorrow, where together we will discover emerging artists. Writer, director, Nick Benjamin. Nick, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's been a long time coming. We've been talking about getting you on the podcast since NAM, huh? <laughs> it's been that long. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, it's a nightmare. I've name dropped you on this podcast at least several times, interspersed between all the different episodes because of the impact that you've had on my life. So to finally have you on the show, it's very humbling. The reason why I didn't call you any earlier is because I really wanted to make sure to challenge myself to really make sure that my cast was as diverse as possible. Mm-hmm. But now you're here and we do have a diverse cast and you fit in amongst them. And I'm so thrilled to have you on this podcast. I'm really excited to have you, man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm, uh, you know, I, I've been listening to your podcast since it came out and I, I've heard some incredibly talented people that you've been interviewing and I'm really, really excited to see their work and their up and coming stories. So yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you, man. You've been a supporter since the beginning of the podcast and, and it's been, it's been truly an amazing experience to, to have you as, as someone who's listened and also just as a personal mentor, as one of my best friends and, and, and an adventure buddy. And we'll talk about all of our experiences together and the experiences I wasn't a part of that you got to experience. Sure. I'm really excited for that. Can't wait. Before we uncover that, I have a surprise for Uh-oh. you. Oh, no. Uh, we're this, this episode, we're doing something a little bit different. It's okay. not just uh, a normal interview. There's someone here that you're familiar with. Time to spice it up. <laughs> What's going on? Hello, hello. What's up, Joshua? How are how you, are sir? You? 
<laughs> I love, so, I love, I love that he has he been just like sitting there in yeah, the back so this I, entire I, time. I've been sitting for the last <laughs> few minutes, just listening to you guys talk. Chaz, Chaz, and I, and I have literally been talking before the podcast for like twenty minutes, and Chaz, yeah. he's been here the whole no, time. Been here the whole time. He was just there, like in the back, waiting to make to just waiting to, to just jump in, jump out. You know, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't start singing Moana, Josh. <laughs> you missed your opportunity. No, you know, I was real tempted, but I had to just kind of. Conf- Oh man, that would have been great. Well, it's great to see both of you. Yeah. I'm glad that you're both in this, in this together. That's right. So all of the adventure buddies, almost everyone in the, in the, our adventure squad is here today. And I, I'm just excited for this. Dylan, Uh, we love you and miss you. Yes, Dylan, we do. And uh, nobody can see my heart because this is on, you know, it's an audio based, it's audio based, but just know people that I I made a heart. Yeah. He's not, he's not flipping us off. He's, he's showing us a heart. I promise. (laughs) I just want to point out one thing though, Josh, you're very intuitive and in that before this, you were saying you were nervous to be on the podcast and already you're doing some things that not a lot of hosts do, which is for those who are not, who don't get that visual privilege, you're explaining to them what you're doing. And that just points out that you're already an intelligent and incredible host. So welcome to the show. He, I didn't pay him any money either, so I don't know. <laughs> and yes, Nick, That's you can good. make all the faces you want. And I'm making, I'm making never a be giant offended. smiley face <laughs> just because of, of my content right now. Exactly, exactly. It. Well, we're excited to have you on the show. This is a special with Josh Miller here today. Nick, let's start this interview strong. Where are you from, my friend? Let's do it. All right, my story. I don't know how far back do you want me to go like when I was born and or just like where I was I grew I'll just do the whole born thing let's just do that I'll just get that out of the way let's I start before born. that where were you conceived oh <laughs> Jesus I don't even want to know that story I don't like I story. I am I'm sorry mom and dad uh edit that I, I, out anyway I'm sorry Marshall and Daniel. <laughs> I'm sorry about that um <laughs> yeah of course you're not so I was born in Orange, California. Uh, I didn't really grow up there. I, we moved to Diamond Bar, California, I guess a couple years, a few years into me, into my life. Uh, if those who don't know where Diamond Bar is, I think it's around Corona, California. I also might be wrong. It's been so long since I've been there. So like the, the geography or the map in my head might be completely gone. But I forgot yeah, there's so a place called Corona, California. Yeah, Corona. It's probably not the greatest place to live in at the moment. But I'm a um, little bit triggered. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, um, I want to start doing research on what the effects of the, this quarantine has been on Corona, California. But want to be like no cases in Corona, California. <laughs> I know. Um, no, but anyway, yeah. So I I grew up there. I think I was there for all of up to second grade of elementary school, and then my dad got a job opportunity to work. In, closer to the valley so we actually ended up moving to ventura in near ventura so we ended up moving to thousand oaks in a, at around 2003 or so i've lived in the valley since then i, I went to a new elementary school uh i went to actually a couple because the first one i went to i was like not a fan of people that were awful so i ended up going to an elementary school called Langranch elementary and that is where I met a kid named Alex Plotkin, who is not who you know we haven't really talked to in a while. It's been a very long time. Uh, but shout it's out somebody to Alex that, Plotkin. Yeah, Alex, how are you doing, dude? How you doing, Hope my you're friend? You're doing well. We miss um, you. But yeah, he was like one of the first people I met because he and I were very into the same thing. Like I think I think so. I grew up watching like Godzilla movies. I was so into monster movies. That was like one of my favorite things to watch with my dad. Why? And why do you think that was? I don't know. I think it, it was weird because I like I they they introduced me to like dinosaurs at an early age. So when my dad showed me like the first Godzilla film ever, 
created like this whole concept of like uh you know this giant like radioactive lizard that's now like 100 feet tall like terrorizing the the whole world like it really i really gravitated towards that which is very weird i was like i'm i'm not i'm not a sadistic kid at all like i wasn't getting a thrill from him just like killing people i was gonna say that just really speaks (laughs) to your personality (laughs) no yeah but i was just i think i was more interested in how they did it how they were able to capture this on camera on film and like and show it on on a on a bigger screen it was just one of those things that i was really into and actually like shout out to the 1998 godzilla film with matthew broderick which is you know it's it's a movie but that was the movie that i i also like you know that's that's a movie that my dad showed me saying hey here's the new godzilla movie and as a kid i was like oh my god this is the greatest movie i've i've ever seen now you see it and you're like okay this was eh. but like you know, I, prefer the, for, I prefer to call that movie uh, Godzilla's Day Off. Pretty much, honestly, like, <laughs> it, I think he has, like, a new name now, and it's just Zilla. Like, that's – anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm going into geek territory here. But <laughs> anyway, uh, Alex Potkin and I, like, he, he just started talking about Godzilla. And I was, it was, I was in – what was it, like, third grade? And this kid that I've never met before loved it. And he and I were, like, paired up in a group together. And then he and I were just shooting the shit. And, like, we – ended up liking the same stuff to the point where like we started hanging out at each other's houses, like watching movies, playing video games. And then, yeah, that was, uh, you know, elementary school cut to middle school where Los Cerritos middle school is where all the three of us went before I met Chaz. Chaz also went there, but uh, you were a grade below me. So I, I think, and we talked about this earlier, but I think we've, we met before middle school, but we didn't know each other. So I think we were like in the same vicinity, but I didn't know who you were. It is crazy to think about because I think about the the different like family events that we'd we'd go to, and I really wonder like how many events did I probably like was I in the same room as you? For yeah, and, and yeah. not know you. Right, because I remember like Alex would invite me to like you know because we're we're all Jewish, so he would invite me to like high holidays and things yeah. like that and Passover seder's, and I'd go, and there'd be a, like like hundreds of people at his house. And I, I guess, you know, like he, he knew your parent or your parents, his parents knew your parents and you'd come over. And, but before that, like, I didn't, I, you know, you were just another person. So I didn't know who you were, but middle school is where I really started to is where, you know, Oh man, we have so many great stories about that middle school, but um, Let, let's, let's start with the, let's start with the first story, <laughs> which is, which is Alex. I think like one day, like Alex and I, like we both get out of class. I think he's in the class next door to me. So it's really easy to catch up to him. Alex tells me, Hey, I have some friends that like to come play soccer. Would you like to come? Yeah. Would you like to come to come play with us? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I'm thinking that we're going to walk to the field, but instead we decided to play in the most impractical place to play soccer. And that is the tennis courts. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was, so that, weird, was, that was Los Cerritos. Cause they didn't even have a field. It was like, it was either, uh, uh, asphalt or wood wood chips there we go the wood yeah. chips yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that sounds like, awful yeah so no we, it was awful we didn't like have a field so yeah we were just like used the, the volleyball courts right right i remember we were in the tennis courts and then like like the, the nets were still up yeah like, so we would play soccer and we would jump over the net <laughs> it was more of a challenge to the other yeah. side. <laughs> soccer with obstacles i remember i probably i probably i probably fell off that off yeah. the tennis nets like three times and oh man came home I, like, that's how that's how i broke my foot did, that's did, how you, you broke were, your foot that's how i before my i'm, I'm going I, yeah before my bar mitzvah i like 
like a month or two before I broke my foot. And it's because <laughs> stupid <laughs> me, we were playing soccer there and someone kicked the ball out of the way and it ended up kicking uh, the metal pole that like the two poles are that are between the tenant that hold up the, uh, the volleyball net. Oh I kicked God. one of them accidentally. I didn't feel anything. And then two days later, I, I like woke up and got out of my bed and I fell because my foot gave out. Oh my so, God. I, so I had to have a cast on for like two months or so. And then Luckily, I got it off before my bar mitzvah. But so what? What happened following that though yeah. was, I remember though we we played soccer. Lunch ends. The bell rings, and and with us it's it's you, me, Alex. There's Kayla. I remember Kayla was there. Oh yeah, Kayla was there. That's right. And then this guy named Brian, whose last name rhymed with eggnog. Everyone called him Brian Eggnog, yeah. and this fucker. He, I, I'm, I'm at a distance from you guys. I, I'm too far away to hear your conversation. But I see that somewhere in the middle of that soccer game, Brian collected as much hay, like enough hay to make a bale of hay in yeah. his arms. Like, who does that during a soccer game? Like, who crazy, does that? Crazy, crazy person, yeah. So he, like, through the fence, grabbed hay from someone's yard that just happened to be connected to the middle school. Yeah. And he collected it in a bale of hay in his arms. And I watch you guys from a distance. And from my perspective, I see you. I, I swear to God, I thought you said, yes, do it. And I, 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 I realized that now it was like, yes, you're an idiot. Like, I, I think that that's what you were saying to him. But yeah, I know Brian run like sneaks up on me and I'm watching him do this. So it's not even like, he's like sneaking up on me. Well, like he's just, creeping up on me and I'm watching him going, what are you doing? And he throws the hay in my face and it felt more like, like a really loose brick hitting me in the face. I remember just being like, like really hurt. Yeah. Point blank range. I feel like if you threw hay at someone's face, it would like, it hurts. It's like, yeah, dude, you're getting like whipped in the face with this. Just, it's just not natural. <laughs> it got in my eye. It got in my eye. It yeah. stung. It hurt. I remember my, my nose felt bruised. So I chased after this kid, but of course, Brian Eggdog is this tall kid with grasshopper legs. Yeah, and yeah. sprinted the out, heck out of there. He outruns me. Right. I'm panting. I also, I will say that it's not very hard to outrun me because I, I was fat, and <laughs> 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 but I, I you were like, fine. <laughs> thank you. But I remember I'm panting. My hands are on my knees. I'm like, I'm like heaving over, like just really angry that he got away. You came up behind me and you put your hand on my back and I, and you said to me, what'd you say to me? I, well, I think from what I remember, I, like I, I saw you cause how middle school worked was like after the bell rang or bell rang, whatever, after we were supposed to go back into class, we would all gather in this like outdoor kind of like entrance to go back into the school. And I saw you and you looked, you looked upset. So I like, I hope Brian didn't like really hurt this kid. Like that, that would suck. So I went up to you and I think, I think I said, Hey man, are you okay? Or something like that. And then Chaz, Chaz tells everyone that he beat the shit out of me. Wait, 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 wait. I, I shoved you against a wall though. So he probably, you probably thought that provoke you. So your natural instinct was to like push me away or shove me against the wall. So what happened was Chaz, I saw like he, his, his face looked, he looked pissed. So Chaz grabs me and he shoves me against this wall. And it's this like, it's this brick wall. It was a hard wall. I remember he like pushed me against this wall he didn't really say anything after that. He just pushed me against the wall and then walked away. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So then 
<laughs> and then after that, we go back to class. Like, I don't really think too much of it. It's middle school, so kids are always getting in fights, so it ha- happens all the time. So it was just one of those things where I was like, oh, I guess, you know, he's just, he needs to be alone for, for a minute, whatever. And we go back to class, and then suddenly I get called into the principal's or the vice principal's office. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, crap, like, what did I do? I wonder what happened. And, and back then, you know, like, if you sneezed in class, you would get detention. <laughs> like, our middle school was awful. So I remember, like, like, I was trying to go through in my head. I was like, did I, did I say something out of turn in class? Like, did I, what did I do? Like, I don't want to come here for Saturday school because I tripped and fell and I made too much noise. Or so. I don't know. So we wa- I walk into the classroom and Chaz is sitting down there right across from the vice principal forgot his name i i don't know i'll just call him i think, him it, was, I think it was uh mr love wasn't it uh, okay yeah let's call him mr love. I, you, you i have I literally I no idea I, I, oh well. no dr dr love was the principal dr love Do- was the principal i don't remember the vice principal i think his name was like mr wing or some sh- something like i don't know it might anyway have been. yeah we'll just call him mr vice vice principal man yeah <laughs> we i walked in and chaz is sitting right across from him and he and I, I, I kind of understood why I was there, but also I was like, wait, this could be for various reasons. Like, did he, did Chaz tell on me for throwing, did he say that I threw the hay at his face? Like that definitely wasn't me. And I was, there was so much going through my head. And then I guess what ended up happening was you actually explained this to me later. I didn't know this, but eventually Chaz, you got, you got, you felt really bad <laughs> for what I, you did. Yeah. You felt bad for shoving me against the wall. So you turned yourself in, you, you, you beautiful, beautiful human being. <laughs> yeah. Like at that point, I feel like there probably wasn't any level of guilt that you needed to do that. But the fact that you did that is just so, so great. Oh yeah. my God. Well, yeah, basically, because I, I knew that the way it worked at that middle school was if you turned yourself in, you wouldn't get in trouble. Right. You wouldn't Because they had a point system at Los Cerritos. Oh yeah. Oh my God, I hate it. And the point system really was if you had a hundred points at the end of the year, you could go to the beach when the, on the all school trip, like on the all school summer trip. That was literally all it was for. That Guess was who insane. never went to the all-school trip, this guy. <laughs> like, I just wanted to go to it, man. I wanted that beach life. Yeah, yeah. But I just knew that if I turn myself in, I won't lose points. I won't have to go to detention. I won't have to tell my parents that I, that I fucked up. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, like, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to have <clears throat> the principal host an intervention, and then we'll kiss and make up later. And I think that's what happened. We, we, just, we just made up. We, I'm just kidding. No, yeah, we did kiss and make up later. No, but it, it was great because it, like, it created a great friendship later down the line. You know, like, this is, like, you essentially, like, from there, you know, we started hanging out with each other at school. And then from there, we decided, hey, like, let's hang out at each other's houses. You know, like, you have, you have Halo 2. I have Halo 2. Oh, my God. Isn't Halo 3 great? You know, like, we were really into, you know, and Chaz and I were, like, very very huge fans of halo so i think and call of duty so like those things those two things alone we would always like talk about and it would always be fun to like go to each other's houses and play video games and have sleepovers and then it just became like a reoccurring thing like every every weekend just hang out and yeah it was it was great it was i mean that was the only like good part of middle school everything else during middle school was just god awful but yeah pretty much another time definitely the first person shooters were fun but you know what made them real fun how that? taboo they were in your house and like looking for your parents oh my uh, bedroom God. for the hidden games because uh, they would yes. hide them from you i love i love my mom to death but i <laughs> i had i was i had a very you know it's funny i don't think my dad really cared about the video games i played but my mom was very very strict about what i was watching and what i was playing when i was younger so if i had even if i had a game that was rated 
NFT, let's say for like, and like it was, it was at the age range where I was allowed to play it. If it had like one gun in, on the cover, my mom would hide it. She wouldn't get rid of it. She would hide it. Right. So what would happen is, it you know, felt more like we were looking for the Afi Komen during Passover. I know. It, it, like... Literally, it, it became like, it became, and I, and I felt bad because I could see it in Chaz's face. Like sometimes he'd get so like fed up that we'd have to spend the entire day trying to find a video game. But um, what we would do is like, he would come over and my mom would hide, like, let's just say like my, one of my Call of Duty games, I really wanted to play Call of Duty with Chaz. So, you know, we would everywhere, like my parents would be home. So we would like, We'd go into their closet. We go into their like drawer. Everything <laughs> like like where could this game be? Uh, sometimes we'd be lucky. Other times we wouldn't be able to find it. Uh, sometimes I would call my parents, being like, "Hey, can you stop being lame and tell me where the the damn game is? Because we really want to play." Right. Um, oh, good times, man. Yeah, real good times. But in that in those good times, one of the other things that made them really good for me was that at the time when I met you, I definitely had a creative bug. My mindset at the time was, okay, I want to definitely write stories but in the form of books and then i also want to be an architect like it was cool because your mom was an architect at the yeah time. my mom my mom my mom uh got her degree in architecture and interior design so my mom had a lot of plans and uh different designs laying around around the house and in her room so that was also like another plus when you'd come over and we'd be like hey if you want to you have any questions or you want to check it out you know yeah and i, I was uh, looking at her blueprints and that was cool and all but being friends with you, I realized, oh, no, I want to do film. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I want to do film. I want to write screenplays. Right. And I, I, I will probably write books in the future, you know, depending on what kind of, you yeah. know, success I bring to my career. But, but I don't want to do architecture. I want to create. I want to create films. And right. really cool. Like, I didn't realize filmmakers could be as cool as, as Nick. <laughs> So thanks, man. <laughs> this so I pursued in middle school. <laughs> no, so that, that that's honestly why I pursued it, dude. I was yeah. like, I was like, okay, we gotta do this. That's, no, I'm glad I'm glad I was able, like, if if it you know, if I had any level of inspiration towards you, I'm glad I was able to because I, I noticed early on too that you kind of had that creative bug as well. And it was, you know, I, and it's funny because I never meant to like deter you from uh, a career path that you were about to go into. Like I I didn't want to be the guy to be like, don't do architecture, but I I strongly advised you to, to go into like, not even filmmaking, just be like, I said, you'd be a really good storyteller because, you know, like we would like, you know, not, we wouldn't only just play video games at home and things like that at our houses, but like, we would also watch movies and things like that. And sometimes we would go in our backyards and recreate scenes and things. And, and that, that was very like inspirational to see like, Oh, you know, we'd see these movies at, uh, on TV and in theaters and we'd want to like come home and like do that essentially so i was like you know and, and i can i could kind of see it in you you know like you also had a moment where i think you wanted to act too and you were really into acting and like doing voiceovers uh one of my favorite voiceovers of all time from you was when you did the, uh the arbiter from halo <laughs> or like or like one of the grunts from because it would just be like it would, it would yeah yeah there Ooh. we go like one of those i was always like yeah you know like and i can i could kind of see that you know and you'd had that like instinct in you to to tell stories and I actually like that's where you know I also had had a weird kind of naive dream when I was younger where I would create the next Paramount Pictures or Universal uh, Studios you know what I mean because I was so in love with going to Universal Studios and my friends would get mad at me because you know I would love all the rides there but I absolutely adored going on the studio tour because I love to see how everything was made even if I've seen it multiple times I absolutely loved seeing it again because it was super inspirational and all my friends were like we we just want to go on the mummy and i'm like that's great like let's do the mummy but let's also it, was, it is the best ride 
it's great, you know, and uh, you, you know, everyone will have their own opinion, but I will always, and I ended up actually like, like side note, I worked there uh, in 2015, summer job at Universal at, at the studio tour. So I can go down the line saying, you know, like it paid off. So I, I had this dream of creating this studio and I, and I think that's when I brought to your attention, like, you know, like if we're going to be creative people, we should just, we should just create a movie studio. And then I remember like we would go through like all the name, the possible names that we could create uh, or like come up with for this, for this, in this, not this just production company, but this movie studio. Yeah. <laughs> this huge, huge, like, yeah, we had, we had a theme and, and it's funny cause I, I laugh cause I look back and I think you still have some of the design. Like we wrote, we like would draw these things on pieces of paper yeah. of like where the, where the studio tour would be, where these rides would be, where like all the sound stages would be. Yeah. I think we took your mom's graph paper that she would use. <laughs> yeah. and we so would in, a, in a way ground. it worked out. Like yeah. she was using her, we were using we, her graph We would paper. lay on the ground and start drafting what we would call NC studios. Yep. And then and it became like, NC studios. Also, also we ended up, we discovered around that time, or at least I discovered around that time, roller coach tycoon. Peter oh Trump. yeah. And I remember eventually, like, I, I had, like, a separate park called NC Studios in my yeah. sandbox saved parks. Yeah. And I literally would create what NC Studios would look like. And I would label <laughs> all the rides by, like, these movie titles that had never been created yeah. yet. Like, I had, like, this whole entire thing and I was kind of imagining it. Right. And I think in, in a way that definitely did have an effect on what is currently going on in my life. You know, mm-hmm. where, I, where I am building a business, where I am growing and, and creating a production company and working towards these steps towards the future that will enable us to, to grow in these different ways. Right. So there definitely are things that we're doing that I'm doing right now that, that kind of follow in that it's not called NC studios. It's now just Mr. Thrive media, but nonetheless, it's, it still was the building blocks. And so yeah. it was in a weird way an inspiration. That's awesome. No. Yeah. And it like also kind of shows how ahead of our time in a sense we were because we were, you know, what, how old were we? We were like 11, 12 years old and we were already coming up with ideas for a movie studio when back then all like all these little, what these little kids wanted to do was just like go home, sleep, play video games, eat junk. Like we, we did that stuff too, but we also had like a passion and something to look forward to in the future, you know? And it's funny because one of the things that really inspired me to go into film was Jurassic Park. And I know a lot of people watch that movie saying oh my god yeah like that's that's their inspirational movie but like i you know as i said i grew up you know with dinosaurs and and godzilla and all these and all these like kind of monster movies so when i saw that i think it would be like godzilla i saw that and and i was super inspired but jurassic park was the first vhs double cassette tape that i got where it was like the movie and the making of the movie so when i saw the making of the movie i thought what very first time i thought i wanted to recreate dinosaurs like i thought i wanted to go into genetics as a kid and my parents were kind of like oh shit i never knew that yeah and my parents were like obviously my parents are super supportive but i could you know now looking back they're probably like oh my god he's gonna go into a field that's gonna pay like no money he's gonna be like living on his ass whatever but it's funny because that's what inspired like i wanted i wanted to create dinosaurs but then i realized realistically speaking like i didn't want to create dinosaurs i wanted to create another situation where the dinosaurs would escape and then that's when I was like, I think I want to be a storyteller. Cause like I, that's what inspired me. It was like, how did Steven Spielberg bring dinosaurs to life in this movie? And in, a, in an age where the digital age didn't even exist. Right. It was and- just like, it was just an enigma to everybody. And it was still kind of taboo in a sense. Like no one really knew if it was, if it was the way to go. And then that movie came out and you see this T-Rex break through this gate and you're like, holy crap. 
yeah wow pretty you know? revolutionary stuff when the, yeah. the cgi jurassic park and corridor digital that youtube channel they do the cgi artist reaction oh they're video. great yeah I, I i loved even though it was like probably less than a three minute segment in their in their react to videos they right. talked about how they how they went about that movie and, and even some of the mistakes that that jurassic park had in the first movie oh yeah all, yeah uh but also like some of the some of the amazing technology that they were using that had never been worked on in the way that they did for Jurassic Park. And it just really right. goes to show you how innovative film can be Absolutely. and the importance of storytelling uh, in that respect. Uh, Spielberg right. did a fantastic job in that. And just like what you just described, he got your gears turning. Right. And it's, you know, and it's constantly evolving too. And that's something that like really inspired me as well. You know, like they, they were Spielberg was super uh, inspirational in the sense that he didn't care how the movie was. He was about to, uh, uh, film the entire thing stop motion like the the characters were going to be real but the dinosaurs were going to be all these like clay puppets that were going to be kind of walking around so it was going to be an entirely different movie but he was still going to do it and you know like that's what's inspiring is that like he didn't care how it was made he just wanted to tell the story but when he discovered this new medium of filmmaking which was you know the the digital age of filmmaking and cgi he was like you know well, this is you know this is it like this is even better this is this is the the new revolution of filmmaking it's it's crazy absolutely crazy and and michael crichton just tells such a good story i could see why it inspires someone like spielberg and oh, speaking yeah. of michael crichton that was the book that you and i both exchanged and read on our europe trip we did yeah and yeah, we, all, yeah. we all read books here on our, on our europe trip uh oh my god uh what what was the book that you started uh Murder, um, on Boyd, the or- Murder on the Orient Express is what Josh was reading. I think. Right, right, right. So you brought Murder on the Orient Express. I brought Void Moon. You brought Michael Crichton's Jurassic Park. Did Did you read Void Moon as well? I did not read Void Moon, but I the reason I bought I I read and I need to. But the reason I read Jurassic Park uh, the book is because I had never I had never picked up that book ever. I had o- only ever seen the movie, and I was very curious to see how they did it. The The second one is fine too. I think the the first one still like will always have a higher the the level of expectancy like, in that book it like is completely different like it's this the same thing pretty much happens but everything around it is completely different how recreating animals that died 65 million years ago is is messing with uh with uh, mother nature and it's just so interesting and that's why i was like chaz i think you'd really like this book not only just because it's jurassic park but like it is really really fascinating and no, it, it, i'm glad it's i got so- to read it it's so is fascinating. And if, and if for the listeners who don't know about Michael Crichton's background and his inspiration for, for Jurassic Park, Michael Crichton's background is actually he was, a, he was studying to be a doctor in college. Fun fact about him. He was studying to be a doctor in college. Yeah. And instead of going through with it, uh, by, the time he, by the time he was ready to graduate college, he had actually already completed uh, a best-selling book. He had already published a best-selling book, and that enabled him to drop out of college with no degree at all. Mm-hmm. He had no degree, but had all this infinite knowledge oh my that God, he had yeah. pursued. And he used that to create all of his books. Yeah. Uh, so Michael Crichton is also the same person who wrote the, mo- who wrote the book Westworld. And that was yeah. also turned into a TV show. These two shows, both about theme parks gone rogue mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and this, this symbolism. He really, I think, found something unique about theme parks that not a lot of people think about when they're there. Right. I think he really examined something that isn't like on a societal level, maybe even geopolitical. Like there's something about theme parks that he saw really paralleled yeah. human nature in a really interesting way. Yeah, I think absolutely. That that was, I think that was really neat, like the way he used those theme parks right. in both of those stories. So right. 
just absolutely inspiring. And I could see how it could turn some, uh, Spielberg's gears the way that it turned our gears and, right. and so on and so forth. It gave us that, that, that creative bug, didn't it? For sure. No, absolutely. I think it was the whole concept of like nature versus technology too, which is really interesting to me. Like, like pairing two things together that pretty much don't, shouldn't ever coexist, but humans are so curious and they're so, but one of my favorite lines is in Jurassic Park is uh, genetic power is the most awesome force that the world's ever created. And you wield it like a kid who just found his dad's gun. That, that line alone and that's my favorite scene in the entire movie because it's when they're finally all sitting down and they're pretty much explaining to john hammond why this cannot work (laughs) and he the entire time he's like no 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 like you don't understand like this this is it you know this is this we're gonna open it's gonna be great extinction doesn't exist anymore we are revolutionizing everything about science and it and they're just like you have no idea what you're getting yourself into you 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 did before you thought and you just you didn't you didn't think to like to sit down and really analyze, is this the right thing to do? You know, so that's, I don't know. It's just that human interaction too was great to me. Cause it wasn't just about like dinosaurs and you go in thinking, Oh yeah, it is. But it really is like the whole concept of like right or wrong. Like, is this something that someone that human should touch or should we just leave alone? I think now that you're, now that you're talking about, it, I'm thinking about like the, I'm, I'm still kind of, I'm still kind of stuck on the theme park thing. Like what was it about theme parks that, that drew Michael Crichton so deeply? Right. And I'm thinking that, in terms of what you're talking about, in terms of like the kid who found his father's gun and is just wielding it, talking about using nature in an unnatural way. I think what he's describing with theme parks is theme parks and by nature are a very unnatural thing in, in the balance of the world. They're this kind of escapism that is right. distorted for human use for, for sheer hedonistic purposes, right? To go there and just to enjoy yourself, to have pleasure, to, to kind of just let loose and step away from your natural environment. Primarily, we're talking about Jurassic Park, but and also Westworld. It's all about that. It's all about taking nature and bending it to an unnatural source, to right. an unnatural way of life, to take things that were born today and to intermix them with animals that were from thousands and thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I guess millions of years millions ago. Millions of huh? years ago, yeah. Yeah, my bad. So. like thousands and thousands of thousands. And thousands, thousands yeah. to the, the 10 to the 8th power. <laughs> yeah. I swear I can count, but what I'm saying is... It was a really long time ago. ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, like a few years ago, 1065, whatever, a million years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> I think that that's kind of like the significance of theme parks, and that, that's yeah. such a creative way of looking at it, and it, it's really genius, and I really wish Michael Crichton was still alive so yeah. you could see more of the books and the stories that he could create. Let's get back to talking about you. Yeah, Nicholas, let's get back to me. I we, we went off on a tangent. Where did Seymour I even Seymour Benjamin. That's my middle name. That's your middle name. It's everyone's middle name. It's everyone's middle name. I've yeah. been saying it forever. Everyone you just, has you Seymour just, in their You name. just took your middle name and added and, and placed it in the middle of my Well, what? it's because he wants to see more of you. Oh, uh, oh, the dad jokes over uh, here. <laughs> no, where am i okay a little bit more about me let's i i stopped we stopped around middle so after middle school um yeah you know i graduated i i had been going to public school my entire life uh and i think my parents agreed that they kind of wanted a little bit more of a change of scenario change of pace with the schooling system i was about to go to high school where Chaz ended up going to high school oak park high school but last minute decision my mom uh my mom had a friend whose son went to a school originally called Josh 
New Community Jewish High School. It was called and Josh. <laughs> called, new called comma, Josh, comma, New Community Jewish High School. New Jew, yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we ended up nicknaming it New Jew. But yeah, so I, my, parents, my parents were like, just go to the orientation and see how you feel. Like if it's something you want to do, you know, it was in the Valley. It was, it was near, it was in Calabasas, essentially. Pretty much, it was like one of those things where like, I'd, I'd never really been to the Valley, like that side of the Valley that much. And, uh, but my parents were like, go check on the orientation. I did. It seemed like it was a little bit more of a grounded kind of education mixed with socializing type deal going on. And they were like, hey, it's, you know, it was, it, it is a private school. So there is that, you know, you might have to pay a little bit of money, but like, if it's good education, if, if it's yeah, a little, <laughs> little, and that's at the time we're like, oh, it's nothing. It's like, whatever. But then we go back and we're like, oh my now I think it's like 45k a year just for like high school. Yeah, Jesus it, Christ. That's absurd. There, there was a point where my dad tuition. Yeah. yeah, there was a point where my dad was like, this is getting ridiculous. And I was only I think that was like after freshman year, he was like, am I gonna have to keep paying for this shit? I'm like, I mean, you guys wanted me to go here. But anyway, so, <laughs> uh, so I, I ended up saying, okay, you know, why not? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give this, I'll give this a shot. By the way, now it's called Debt Toledo High School because someone donated like $2 million to, and they added their last name. So New Community Jewish High School was not even a thing. It is the same school, different name. We, Josh and I like went, went to this school that sort of just taught us the value of why the name is so like, so significant why we should be appreciative that we go to a school called new jew and then they get paid two million dollars and then <laughs> and then they change so no, no no harm to the school if they're listening to this had a you know great education whatnot but it, it was just funny when we heard that it was like it went from new community jewish high school to dead toledo and we're like oh <laughs> okay so i did four we did four years there that's where i met josh miller that's where i met dylan weiss who also went on europe trip with us who's not in this podcast, who we miss. Funny, because I actually like, and we talk about this a lot, but I, the only thing I did in ninth grade to Josh was I hit him over the head with the golf club. But after that, we- And they've been best friends ever since. We didn't really talk up until senior year. Like senior year is when we really started hanging out more. Not that we didn't like each other. I I don't know, maybe he didn't like me. No, so it was was March of the Living. Oh, it was March of the Living. So for the the viewers, March of the Living is a two-week trip that uh, you go to that is you you do a week at you go to you go to Poland you do a week at the concentration camp museums and then you do a, a second week in Israel it's very very powerful uh experience i highly uh, recommend you do something along those lines they actually have adult programs too whoever is interested uh it was a great experience especially at, as a senior for Josh and i to go and experience this and see and kind of talk to you know a lot of the a lot of holocaust survivors who go back to where they essentially were, you know, they were kept for years and years. They were tortured. They were tormented and, you know, they were starved and, you know, they saw their family die and they still come back because they want to educate everyone. So it was a great trip, but that, yeah, but Josh, to what Josh was saying, we, I think we, we did, there was a lot of bonding during that trip with not only just Josh and I, but a lot of people that we went to high school with. And, and then from there on, that's where, you know, we started hanging out uh, after school, you know, like uh, senior year was kind of like everyone was already having senioritis. So everyone kind of started, you know, we, we went to Starbucks after school, we hung out at people's houses after school, you know, we did things like that. And we actually, I think where we like really hit it off a lot was, you know, we used to go to Dylan Weiss's house all the time. 
Like that was like kind of our spot where we would go and hang out. And that's where I think we saw Josh Miller more. And then suddenly it became like a routine where we would, that we'd sleep over and you can't get rid of me. Can't, can't I'm like get that rid pest. Of you. you know, like those flies that just like keep, you know, yeah. You know, he finds, he finds a family member comes. He like, somehow finds his way back inside. Exactly. <laughs> it, it's so true. I mean, like, like literally this is Josh's first time in this new house. Literally showed up. No he, yeah. We, you know, we're, we're doing like a very like social distance visit. He has his designated COVID chair. It's my COVID chair. <laughs> yeah so that we're gonna clean off but <laughs> funny enough so so josh is looking around the house it's his first time walking in it and he's looking at the couch and he goes that's my spot right there oh <laughs> like oh my god, god you're already going you're already scoping he sheldon he sheldon coopered it he claimed his spot yeah, on the no, couch going up the steps and i'm like wow the, the carpet is like really comfy like i could i can imagine like getting really drunk and falling asleep right here <laughs> oh really great god. it has been done before that is true that that couch at your house it's a nice one oh yeah that that couch oh my god that anyway side tangent we'll talk about that but the good news is you have charm that that makes it nice for you to come and invade the home if you were not a charming person we would not want you to come and invade the home but you're my favorite person to invade the home yeah yeah i love you Anyways, back so back back to Nuge. No, but back so Nuju Nuju is fine. I think and and Josh and I have different opinions about Nuju. Uh, I I thought I thought it was you know for for an education educationally speaking you know they it was different because you know I went to a, I suddenly got thrown not thrown in like I say it kind of aggressively I didn't get thrown into a Jewish high school but private high school but I was technically thrown into a situation where I wasn't familiar with a lot of those kids. In the, and back then went to like Jewish middle schools and Jewish elementary schools. So they grew up going to like, you know, uh, the not even that. Cause I had a bar mitzvah, but I didn't, I didn't go to like, you know, we had Jewish studies classes that we had to also take. That was like, not something I was not very familiar with. I went to temple with my parents, but that was about it. And I went to Hebrew school, but that was the extent. Like I didn't, I'd never been educated in Jewish studies, Jewish culture, whatever. So that was something that was, that I needed to get used to. But, you know, I think ninth through 11th grade, I like very personal. I, I was going through personal family stuff and I was going through personal me- like stuff mentally. So it was not a good time for me. So during that time, it was kind of hard for me to kind of get a sense of s- setting my friends aside because my friends are great. Everyone that I, that I hung out with there was great. But just people like the teachers and the other students, it was just hard to kind of get a grasp of that lifestyle. Senior year was really where that like, it was like the catalyst moment. Like it was that moment where like, everything started like of course senior year everything started coming together and like i started understanding everyone better and it was easier to insert yourself in this bubble that you weren't really familiar with uh hence you know like where we did like march of the living and where you know uh josh and i you well and all those students used to do this thing called the shabbaton which is like then the end of the school year you would go to it's actually where chaz and i went to camp uh jewish camp which was camp alanine but it was like brandeis bardeen uh Something, something. Brandeis Bardeen retreat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Now we'd spend four days there with the entire school and it would be like, kind of like a way to get out of, get, get outside of your head. You do, you'd run activities and do things. So that was a lot of fun. It was kind of like camp in a sense. Like we were basically like sleeping out, like it was sleepaway camp, but for four days, but overall, like, yeah, I, I don't regret, like, I don't regret going into, I actually really like thank my parents for like looking out for me. Cause I think they just wanted, you know, not saying they would, they were saying that Oak Park was not going to be the way to go. I think they just wanted me to, to experiment with something else, educationally speaking. They wanted me to be more kind of – Chaz, you can, you can attest to this. Middle school was not easy. It was very – there were a lot of people who, like, 
were anti-Semitic. And, you know, there were a lot of people who were naive. It was young. We were very young. And it was back then it was considered funny. But for us, it was like, you know, it's sad that we have to identify as being Jewish and them have coming up to us and making fun of our identity. So it was one of those things where my parents were like, if you want, we can give you more of, you know, if you want to learn more about Judaism and all that stuff, let's go here. So I was like, let's give it a shot, you know, and it, it turned out to be like a great experience. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself, you know, and, and yeah, middle school was, was definitely the worst experience, like the worst like phase of my life because of the bullying that I went through. And, and, and luckily I had you during that time. You know, you kind of, you kind of pointed out that like middle school, middle school sucked, but like the best part was like being able to spend time with friends like me, which by the way, I was very humbled to hear you say that. So thank you for that. But you know, like, yeah, like you're right. Like it did fucking suck. It sucked when, when kids thought it was funny to call us stupid Jews, dirty Jews. One kid thought it was a joke to call me a kike. And I, that's not a word I like to be called. I don't like that word wow. being used at all. I think that was the anyway. word that I was, I was called by people a lot was kike too. And I yeah. like, you know, and back then, you know, like you're, we're young. So we, we thought like, whatever, like it's easy to pass, pass off. But then like, realistically speaking, you look back and you're like, they had no idea what that word meant. And a lot of those people are, you know, a lot of people when they're young and they, and they, they say shit like that. It's very different than, than what they, than what they, what they feel now as an adult. And I know that a lot of them, I, I mean, I forgive them. Like I've, I've come to terms with it. Absolutely. No, is too. it excusable what they did? No, but I'd forgive them because yeah. it's, it's not water under the bridge, but I've grown from it and I'm sure they don't even remember it. And I'm sure no. if you even brought up a lot of that kind of stuff to them now, if I even did recognize one of them on the street now, they'd go like, I don't even what? know. Yeah. I don't even, yeah. What? I didn't like who, what's your name? <laughs> right. I had to get over that on my own terms and, and, yeah. and, you know, I've grown to this, into this person I am, I am now, I'm sure you have yeah. too. We've Absolutely. grown stronger yeah. because of it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm happy that they did that, but I am grateful that I was given the willpower to push through that. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know, we, we went through something like that at a very early age and you'd think, you know, we wouldn't be able to, we wouldn't necessarily go through something like that until maybe at least high school. So the fact that we were able to experience that, if anything, in itself was kind of, like you said, like helpful because especially now, nowadays, especially the climate that we're in right now, you know, like we can, we can look at anti-Semitism and I went to Jewish high school. So we were, we studied about anti-Semitism and the Holocaust and how, and the effect anti-Semitism has on through a biblical standpoint, but also, you know, the past 75 plus years. So it's, it's a good, it's a good tool and a good exercise to educate yourself on something like this and like bigotry and hate in general, but like specifically for, for what we went through, you know, like it, it is really, it's nice to know that we can go home to like a support system like you and me, or like a support system, like our parents, and they can kind of coach us through it and be like, Hey, you know, you're, you're going to meet naive people in life. They're not going to understand. They're going to think what they're saying is objectively right when, when it's not. And it's in, it's, it's sad, but it's like, you know, you can just, all you can really do is say like, Hey, wish you all the best, have a great life and then move on. But well anyway, well said, totally. No, and I also I don't want I don't want to make this a sad uh, like a sad moment in podcast. So I'm 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 happy to move on from that topic. But I'm glad we went over it a little bit. Um, no, me too. Me too. It uh, needs to be discussed, though. I mean, like if, no, I, yeah. I feel like you know those. It's an unfortunate thing that like people have to deal with like and anti-Semitism or racism. But I think absolutely. those people that do deal with it, it only makes them stronger as people, and then it just helps us to educate 
other people to not deal with bigotry and, and, and that kind of hate. For sure. It's, it's funny. Cause I, I was one time spending time with, with Rabbi Jack, who is the, uh, the, the founder and the head of Aishlit, which is a, which is an organization out in Beverly Hills area, kind of, uh, under Asian Torah and whatnot. Uh, he's the head of it. And one day he called me out to, to get lunch with him. And he said something really interesting to me that, that blew me away. You know, he has, four daughters, one son. He has five children. They no, have a, what? Three daughters. Sorry, excuse son. me. Three daughters, one son. I'm really bad at counting, like I said before. And <laughs> Unless you're considering like yourself as like his fourth daughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, he said something to me that was so interesting. And I, I kind of love him more for it. And he said to me, I hope my children experience anti-Semitism. And that was a weird thing for me to hear an Orthodox yeah. Jew say. And I had to ask him, why? Because I, I, I could maybe get a sense of what he was going for, but what he was saying was that he wants his children to understand in a realistic manner the world that they're growing up in while also growing stronger and being stronger because of it Absolutely. and persevering in a strong Jewish fashion. Yeah. You know, in the Talmud, it says, um, the, the, this helped me when I was recovering from the anti-Semitism that I experienced. After Nick left middle school and went on, graduated high school, I actually switched middle schools from Los Cerritos to Redwood. And I've, I think I've brought this up previously in, in past episodes, but at uh, Redwood Middle School is where I was personally victimized by an actual hate crime where they completely tore up my locker, the door was removed, spray painted on the ground, or swastikas and also neo swastikas with the yeah. phrase in the middle that said, you don't fuck with the Ravens. Some, some attempt at a neo-Nazi cell in Thousand Oaks that called themselves the Ravens. Really spooky shit. Yeah. It's and, fucked up. You know, I, I didn't, I don't, I've never studied the Talmud. I've never, you know, I've never sat down with the Torah in hand and, and, and gone verse by verse to study it. Like so many do. And I have so much respect for them, but there was a phrase that kept on coming up in my life following that, that the Talmud preaches. And the Talmud says, live well, it is the greatest revenge. And that, there was something very healing about that. that I love really, that a lot. Yeah. Something very healing about that, that inspired me to grow the way I have and to, you know, adopt, thrive into a lifestyle more than just a word, but a lifestyle and I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, even though, you know, what, what led to it was terrible that I had to, what, what, you know, I would never wish that on anyone, what I had to go through, but I am the man I am today, both as, you know, both, you know, like I would even like mentally Jewishly, I, I am who I am because of that hate crime. Like I am the result of the pain that I experienced. I'm so thankful for that pain because it wasn't suffering because I taught myself yeah. to live well as, as it is truly the greatest revenge. So I'm very thankful for that. For sure. And, you yeah. know, and plus with that, like those people that did that, you don't really give them that satisfaction of feeling affected. Like yeah. I think the thing, the thing with people that bully is what really gets to them is seeing that you're reacted by it. So it's yeah. all for, you know, attention and one. You, you, so. could, you could piss someone off way more if you laugh it off and say, have a good day. If, you, if, they, if somebody notices that it's not bothering you, exactly. 
it is probably going to be the the best feeling for you, but the worst feeling for that individual. It's, yeah, because they didn't get through. Their their whole yeah. mission was to really put you down. To really put you, you in it, yeah, to like ruin your day. Thicker, <laughs> exactly. And you're like, well, nice try. Yeah. And and it's funny because in a way that I, that's why I say like I'm glad we we went through that in in like I, I'm not, but I at the same time I am because you know yeah. now obviously like it is it's we're doing everything in our power to to raise awareness of of racism and, uh, and of anti-Semitism and, and hate in general. Um, but it's also, you know, like in a situation where you see someone on the street call you like, hey, you stupid Jew or dirty Jew, like we were called in, in middle school. It's one of those things now where like we know we know what uh, what someone who is naive looks like when they do something like that or someone who is ignorant does someone like that because they, they obviously weren't educated on it. They grew up thinking that that was funny. That was okay to say in general, you know, like if it was turned around on them, it would be a whole different situation. It, they would be, they would be, they would hit the ground running, making sure that they, you know, their, their identity themselves were protected, but like, because it's not them, it's us. It's easy to, to pick on you. You know what I mean? So I think it is good to educate people on an early age, you know, like, and, and, and how you, how you said your, your quote has, you know, like, I hope my kids uh, experience racism or sorry, anti-Semitism and also racism in general, like to see like that, to that extent it's because you grow up with it and you know oh there this is the life you know like this is the world we live in and it's it's shitty it sucks but in, in another instance in another case you can argue like this is why we're filmmakers this is why we're storytellers to educate people about hate to educate people about things like this because you know like history will repeat itself it does it kind of already is and unfortunately it's very it's a very sensitive subject to bring up but it's true and through the power of film, through the power of visually telling a story uh, about someone who's experienced it or someone like us who's experienced it, you're able to show the next generation, like, this is something that is very possible and is still, poss- is still happening today, you know? You just made me fall in love with something that I've never fallen in love with before, at, at least as, as clearly as, as it is now. And that is the concept of using film as a way to show the problems in the world. Like, like obviously documentaries have been, have been so good for that, but films in general, the films that, you know, cover real events that have happened throughout our world, you will never be able to fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is. And that's why film is so important because it brings to the masses in a very consumable fashion, this, this, this message of yeah. what is the problem. And that, by the way, can be used in a very harmful way. Uh, you know, Stalin talked about how film moves the masses and he used propaganda to move communism forward in a very violent way that made his, his followers love him. You know, it's just one example. It's been used many times in a very harmful way, but it's also been used many other times in a very beautiful way to help right. solve world issues at multiple, multiple occasions. But, yeah, no. And it's also the whole notion of like thought in storytelling is a very subjective medium and it, it, like depending on how you use it and utilize it, it could tell a very different story. And if you do use it to push propaganda in this sense, you were talking about Stalin, I think, where it was, it was you, you know, making beautiful films, but the films, like the meaning behind the films were atrocious and awful versus films that push kind of lighter agenda and that it teaches someone about this rather than it being like, you know, kind of like a dictatorship. It could be a very powerful weapon or or it could just be a very powerful powerful media you know like it it it's it's very it's a very interesting medium to go into or in in a like it's it's really it you have to be very careful with it but at the same time it's one of those it could be like the greatest educational tool for anyone to use totally 
We're talking a lot about film. Nick, let's talk about when you started to pursue film a little bit more seriously. In middle school, you wanted to create films, but when did you really start to make them and dig deep into it? Right, yeah. So, keep like you P- said... Keep it PG, please. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. We don't, you, want, we don't want that yeah. rated X yeah, yeah, resume. Yeah. Don't, don't worry. I put away my camera and tripod in my room a while ago. Anyway. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> no, no. All jokes aside. I just want to... I want to... <laughs> I want to... I want to point out one more thing, by the way, before we go into this. Sure. I remember I, I said I hit Josh over the, the head with a golf club. It was a complete accident. I don't want people to think I actually went up to him and beat the crap out of him with a golf club. This is true. It's, I, I realized I stopped talking about it up until that point. I want to clarify. I, I'm not, I don't like to hit people with golf clubs. It was an accident. I was swinging. I'll, I'll be, I was in the wrong situation, in the wrong area to do this. But I, I was swinging and on the backswing, it accidentally like touched his head, it but bare, he's fine. Hold on. It barely tapped me, but I, I was like. But he reacted very, very bad. And he, he was scared. Like puny. It was like, yeah. Ah! He scared the crap out of me because I thought I actually hurt him. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And he was like, no, no, I'm fine. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, you dick. Anyway. Wait, Nick, how come all of your friendships start so violently? I don't know, man. I don't understand how that, you know, I guess, I guess you need like an interesting story. You know, like you don't want that boring. Like, hey, how's it going? I'm Nick. Hey, I'm so-and-so. You know, you want, you know, like, no, I, I, I punched this guy in the stomach and now we're best friends. But um, it's funny. My, some of my best friendships in life have started in like the worst ways possible. But yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about. But anyway, film. yeah, yeah, yeah. Film. Side note. I just wanted to clarify that one point. But yeah, let's go back love to me. You. So, I love you too. But in middle school, like we were saying, you know, Chaz and I were really into kind of watching movies, watching TV, talking about it, uh, talking about a, stu- a studio that we wanted to potentially one day, you know, invest in and create. One of the things that I remember that we loved doing is, you know, my dad and his dad, they bought us, like, you know, my dad bought me and your dad bought you this, like, these digital camcorders for us to kind of, you know, like, go shoot jump, shoot something, shoot something <laughs> in the Thank back. Thank you, Sean Connery. <laughs> You're welcome. Basically, they just wanted us to go create something in the backyard. They wanted us to shoot something that we, you know, we were always talking about it. And they were like, you should just make something. And then, you know, I, at that time, we had iMovie to back us up. And that was like the, the lowest of the low uh, editing software that you can get. It was like a default on the Mac, on the MacBook Pro, or just like a Mac computer. But it was also a lifesaver because like it also kind of taught us in an early age how to edit, how to put shots together, how to cut. And it was really, it was a lot, you know, like it, a lot of it would just be like, you know, me grabbing my BB guns and then us like pretending that we were in two place, different places uh, in the house and we were trying to find each other. Like it would just be that, but it was like a, a good opportunity for us to kind of put that together and make something and add music and like add sound effects. And it was it was great. Like we, it was, it was bad, but it was fun, you know, like, I mean, and Chaz can attest, like there was like, we made, we made some pretty bad thing, but it was the whole, the whole notion of like how inspired we were to like, just grab a camera and go and shoot something and then put it in a computer and show our parents, show our friends and be like, this is what we made. Like really around the time where I was really like, I re- like, I think middle, like it was middle school. So it was like sixth, seventh grade where we were really into that, where I was really into that. And I was like, this is definitely like where I want to go. And I guess, I guess it really like, it kind of took off in high school too, because high school, like I had to take a little bit of a break from, you know, like every now and then I would go, I would still be writing and I would still be like, I would shoot something here and there with my friends, but it was obviously tougher. Cause uh, you know, like it was a lot, it was a lot hard, it was a lot more hard to do something in high school where you had like a, 
a lot like a workload and you know i uh, you know two essays to do the next day and whatnot so uh but where i knew this was something that i like really wanted to pursue was in junior year the summer between junior sorry it was the summer between either junior or senior year it was the summer between junior and senior year i went to a liberal arts school uh, they had a summer program there it's called columbia college hollywood this has actually been uh this school has been brought up a couple times on your podcast i think i think a couple people you know either went or are going to the school um and they had this summer program which was four weeks it was you would you would write your your movie you would shoot your movie you would edit your movie and then you'd premiere your movie and it was a really interesting experience for someone who didn't really like get a professional like kind of did his research and kind of knew how to put shots together and how to how to hit record on a camera and act in front of it but didn't really know how to work with a crew didn't really know how to work with actors so it like it gave me a very early experience about how to cast how to how to write how to um you know how to set up a shot how how to request uh, a sound stage for instance and i know it's very different now but back then you know like you'd have to request like uh, a back lot of space in a back lot or space in a sound stage. So I made, you know, I got there and I made a very, very short film uh, about two mobsters having dinner, waiting for their client, and they were reminiscing. And I called it, I called it, uh, I think it was called How It Goes Down because it was, it was supposed to go one way and it went a completely different uh, way. And it, it was one of those things where I was like, I guess I could just like really make it like about these two characters. So I really spent time working with the actors. I really spent time writing their dialogue about, you know, their job outside of being mobsters. And it was really interesting, a lot of fun. The very last week of that program, there they didn't tell us this, but there was like an award ceremony. And we all, we all got awarded for like best director, picture, editing, uh, writing, cinematography, things like that. My film ended up winning best cinematography director and be best picture. So that was the moment where I was like, holy crap, like, like I, you know, like I'm not, and I'm not trying to say this as like a, like, oh, like, oh, I wasn't even trying. No, it was just like one of those things where I was still doubting myself if I wanted to go into this industry, if I wanted to like be a storyteller. And I think that was the moment where I was like, oh, okay, this is something that I can do. This is like show people that I have a voice through this medium of filmmaking. And I, and I think that's the best way to do it. it and, you know, cause I'm a very, like, I'm a very, wacky goofy guy and it's hard to kind of like getting a read of me but it's easier to do it through a medium like this so i'm like this is definitely like what i want to do for the rest of my life because i feel like this is somewhere i can kind of get away with it you know what i mean and that really inspired me more to keep going and pursuing this career with that being said after high after we graduated high school i thought i wanted to go immediately into film so i actually applied to columbia college hollywood and the program's great i had i had a great time there the only setback I had was I, my dad went to USC. I visited the campus a lot. And I visited the film school there. And there was something about that campus and the film school that I, I fell in love with. Not saying that that CCH was a bad program because it was. And for those who want to go into film and, and are really trying to, to, to get a sense of how to make a movie, I definitely recommend the summer program there. It's very, very unique and very grounded. And they, you get work done. It's great. But it wasn't somewhere I wanted to go to school. So I did about a semester there. And then I, re and I realized like, you know, I think I want to, in a sense, challenge myself to get into a four-year university. Like I wanted, I wanted to see if I can get into USC because I, I really love the school. So I was like, I texted my dad in class and I was like, I think I want to go to USC. Like, I think that's, that's my next move. And I remember my dad texting me back saying, 
are you sure once you go down this road, there's no going back? And I was like, and it sounds super dramatic, but I like, it made me like contemplate. I was like, Oh, is this what I want? And then I texted him. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm ready to do it. Like, I think next semester I'm going to hash it out. Like I just, I, I, this is what I want to do. So I stopped going to CCH. I told them, thank you. I'm going to try to go elsewhere. I went to community college for a couple of years, longest two years of my life. I took so many units that I couldn't even handle, but, uh, and then I applied to USC once and they were like, hell no. <laughs> cause, uh, not, not cause I did bad or I did got bad grades, but just cause they were like, no, we, no, we have too many students stop applying. And then I took one more semester in community college and I was like, okay, last chance. If they don't accept me, I'm just going to apply to any school and go there for film and that'll be it. And that was, that I can, I can remember till this day, I think I've told you the story, Jazz, the day I got my acceptance letter to USC. My dad went to USC in the 80s and when he, he would get packages of financial aid that would come in the mail. So when he got a package from USC that, saw my, that had my name on it, it was this big yellow envelope and he thought it was financial aid. And so I was driving to the airport to pick someone up and my dad texted me and it was bumper to bumper traffic. So yes, I was, I, I did have my phone on me, but I was driving safe. I promise. I was like pretty much stopped. And my dad texted me and he was like, you just got this financial aid package. In my mind, I was like, oh fuck another, like we signed so much for financial aid. That's a completely different story, but I was so over it. And then I looked at it, I opened the picture and I, and it, it looked different to me. It didn't really look like it was financial aid because it was a thick package and my name was on the top left and it was like a sticker with my name on it and it said USC. And then I zoomed into it and it said Nicholas Benjamin class of whatever. And I was like, holy shit, hang on. And then I, text, I called my dad uh, on, the, on, the, on the road and I was like, dad, can you open that up for me please? And just confirm that that's financial aid. And my dad was like, oh, fuck. Like he's busy like doing his old grumpy man thing. And he's like, all right, let me open it. <laughs> and so he opened it and he pulled out the first letter and he, all he read was like, congratulations, you've been accepted to the, and then my mom like screamed in the background because she heard the congratulations. And I was looking down at my phone, hearing my dad say this. And then when I got, and when I looked up, I was inches away from a truck and I had to jam on my brakes. And I, I almost got in a car accident because I wasn't paying it. Like my mind was like, holy shit, I just got into USC. Oh my God. Oh my, like I wasn't, I wasn't even driving. I was on cloud nine. It was one of those moments in my life that I like remember feeling so like relieved. I was like, thank God I could just like sit back and relax. Cause I don't have to like, it's no pressure of trying to apply to colleges anymore. I got into the school I want to get into. It was a great moment in my life. And so, yeah, so I went to USC. I started there in 2016. I was a spring admit and then I graduated in 2018. Do you think that if you went to Columbia or any other film school, you would have been who you are now? Absolutely. I didn't leave Columbia because I didn't think it was a good program. I thought it was very straightforward upfront. Like if you want to go into filmmaking and you want to just learn about editing, you want to just learn about directing, writing, producing, do it. Like it is your thing. My, my whole mentality was that I also wanted to see if I can get a little bit of the university experience. Like my dad, because my dad would always just like talk, like he would, he would, he loved talking about going to USC and he was, he played rugby there and he went to engineering and it was great. So like that experience, I was like, I kind of want to get that experience. And also I fell in love with the film school there. So I was like, might as well just try getting in. But honestly, I could safely say that, you know, any education that I got, no education for that matter, I feel like I still would be the same person today. I would still want to do what I'm doing now, which is to write, to direct, to create, to collaborate. I think I would have just, I would have met just as many talented and creative people as I did at USC. 
because everybody there, we live in a world where people, they, they want to create and it doesn't really matter where they go. They, you know, they, a lot of, a lot of people don't even go, don't have the luxury of going to school. Not, not, you know, like, not that it's a bad thing. Like a lot of people, a lot of directors we know didn't go to school they just kind of did. And that's still an option too. It was one of those things where I was like, I kind of just wanted to challenge myself and see if I could do it. But I, I don't really think, I think I would still be in the same track or I guess like kind of in the same destination that, that I am in today. And I, I think I got a really good education from USC. I got a degree in cinema and media studies with an emphasis in production. So not only did I get production experience and I made, I made, I made more short films than I thought I was going to be able to make there, but I also have a, a higher knowledge of the theory behind film. Why, why we are so drawn to that art, that art form, why people love to kind of just like get away and go into a movie theater or at least used to RIP movie theaters, but used to go into movie theaters and just kind of escape and watch TV. And, you know, it's, it, it's, it was very fascinating to see like what they had to teach their students. And I, I, I miss the experience a lot. I really do. I think what you just said speaks to your drive and your willpower in this, in this industry. And I, I, I like, it's not many people that as soon as they graduate college, they can say that they were the assistant to a major figure, if you don't mind me leading that topic. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. If you'd like to get into it. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah, not, not, not too much because I definitely want to be considered at the time, but, but definitely I'd love to hear uh, about your experience working for the man, the myth, the legend. What's his name? Uh... I, I got a, I got a job as an office PA for Mr. Michael Bay. And if nobody, yeah, Josh, oh. and Everyone get excited. This is, this is like exciting news. So big explosions. Bring in your yeah. dog, bring lot, in your mom. A lot of explosions. I applied at a very interesting, I'll, I'll go quick. Cause I like, I know we have, we're out of time, but I applied at a very interesting time. They were very in, much in need of an office PA. Uh, and it was my first job out of college and for a PA job, you know, like I could make a little money on the side. It would give me time to write. And it did, but it just wasn't, it wasn't PG to say the least, like to, to be like completely just like ambiguous about it. It was like not, it wasn't a good environment to work in to say the least. And too many explosions, too many explosions. You get there and be booms everywhere. No, but I, I, I went from being the office PA to being his onset PA from being his onset PA to being his post-production PA and next time we get on this podcast, I will go into some stories because I, I could talk about it all day. But basically, after a year and a half there, almost a year and a half, I decided to apply elsewhere. And luckily, Netflix was looking for people or they had a new department open up called uh, department assistants, which essentially are, are floaters who float from desk to desk uh, when an assistant goes out of town or needs coverage. So now I work at Netflix streaming company and I am having a great time there. Everyone there is their culture is so different from where I was working before. It's so much better. And like, they just, they take care of their employees and they're very, their values are just, are, they show that they have, they, they respect others and they uphold their values more than I would say a lot of other companies do. And I won't, I won't go into those companies, but they they are they're great and i'm having i'm having a blast there um i'm i'm still writing on the side a lot obviously it's harder now to make anything uh outside due to our climate but at the same time 
you know, we have a lot of different ways to make things in, indoors too. So I'm, I'm utilized, I'm trying to utilize that as much as possible as well while I write um, on weekends and at nights. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to stay collaborative. We have, Chaz and I have a project going on right now at the moment that we're, that we're finishing up our first draft on. So that's, that's exciting. Uh, I got a couple other personal projects going on as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm very excited to share that part of my journey next time we, we meet. Absolutely. And I know it's going to be some time from now. We definitely want to talk more about some of these experiences and, and the things that you're working on now. Of course, it's currently under wraps because A, the projects aren't finished and B, we want to make sure that they're as exclusive in terms of the content as possible. So that way you can have as impact uh, when it's released. Nicholas Seymour Benjamin. And Josh. If someone listening to the shenanigans right now wanted to contact you, what is the best way to reach out to you? Um, you are more than welcome to follow me on Instagram if you would like to keep up. My tag is nickbenji123. But that is probably the best place to contact me if you would like to chat about film, if you would like to chat about just shoot the shit in general, you know, talk about uh, things that you and I might have in, uh, like in common. That sounded weird. Yeah, that's where you go is, is primarily that. Um, you can also email me if you'd like. My email is nick.benjamin1 at gmail.com if you prefer to do that. All that information will be displayed in the show notes of this episode. And finally, Nick, the question I ask everyone on my podcast, everyone, what will you be famous for? I, you know, it's funny because I've been listening to your podcast since it started and I've been contemplating this one for a while and it, it took me a while to kind of put it together to the point where like I even had to ask my sister, like, what do you think is going to make me famous? And then my sister was like, stop texting me. And I'm like, all right, thanks for your help. But um, <laughs> shout out. I love you, Tossie. But I think, I think one of the things that I'm going to be no, like I think, and I don't, I don't define myself as someone who like is going to be famous. Like I, I think if people are able to, to watch what I create or enjoy what I create, then I'm already successful as it is. But I think what I'm going to be known for most is being incredibly collaborative. Cause I, you know, there's so many ideas that I have on my own that I know could be done so much better and in like a timely fashion and, and just in, and itself be a collaborative moment when I get more people into it. And when I, when I collaborate with writers and I collaborate with directors and producers and editors and you name it, I, I think being, being someone who's open to collaboration is, is definitely key, especially in this industry, especially now. And I think that's something I'm going to be very well known for. And I, at least I hope that people will be able to say, yeah, that's Nick. He's able to, he's able to take a note. He's able to, to know other people's ideas too, you know? Nick Benjamin, ladies and gentlemen. Also, I want to give a huge shout out to our co-host for this special episode, Joshua Seymour Miller. Joshua! <laughs> you guys can follow me at jmilladakilla on Instagram. Um, most of my, uh, you might want to spell that out, Josh. <laughs> it's J-M-I-L-L-A-H-D-A-K-I-L-L-A-H. jmilladakilla. And that information will be displayed in the show notes right below Nick's follow tag on Instagram. So that's that. That's the show. Thanks that for coming, guys. It. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. 
If you've listened this far into the episode, it must mean you're a thriver. A great way to support my show is to follow my socials. You can follow my Instagram, at Mr. Thrive, like the Facebook page, Mr. Thrive Media, and be sure to check out my website at www.mrthrive.com to learn more about the Thriver experience. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.